We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation. I am joined by Ducks Digest reporter Nick Bass. One today, we're talking about that topic across college football, the initial rankings of the 2021 college football playoff uh, you know, selection committee. Ducks coming in at number four. Um, I guess we could, you know, just real quick run through, you know, what the the rankings are here, um, just uh, off the top here in this episode, one through 25. This is what we're looking like. We got Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, five Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wake Forest, Notre Dame at 10, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Auburn, Texas A&M, BYU, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Kentucky, North Carolina State, at 20, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Fresno State, San Diego State, and Pittsburgh. So that's the the whole rundown here. Nick, I want to get your thoughts just kind of as we open this one up. What do you think of the Ducks at four? Well, uh, I, I was a little bit surprised at the committee putting Oregon at four to start things off here. But when you really look at it, it, it did make sense as to – uh, why they're at four. They really value that head-to-head result over Ohio State, which is, uh, I, I think, merited. It's very important to make sure those high-profile non-conference games are accounted for when, when looking at this. And when you looked deeper at Oklahoma, they put started them at number eight. A lot of people had them a lot higher, maybe at two or three. But Oklahoma hasn't really beaten anyone yet. Uh, their resume hasn't been fulfilled with any top 25 wins. Uh, they do have Oklahoma State and Baylor coming up later on our schedule, so they have a chance to move up. But for now, uh, the committee didn't really give Oklahoma much leeway, so it kind of made sense there. And also Cincinnati, you know, they're undefeated. They do have that top 10 win over Notre Dame, but uh, they are, are, again, a group of five team who don't have quite the – level of competition that Oregon does week in and week out. So at the end of the day, it kind of made sense of, of where everyone fell, uh, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, that was definitely higher than I was expecting for Oregon as well. I kind of thought they were going to be, um, you know, around the, the six range uh, in this first uh, first edition of the rankings. 
Um, you talk about that Ohio State win. That was obviously really big for them. Uh, and Fresno State as well. You know, you think about uh, the, the committee valuing those wins. Uh, those are two quality wins for Oregon. And then they also have that, that win over UCLA. That kind of, you know, rings to me as, you know, the biggest wins that they have on their schedule. Uh, but you could also, you know, I could see other people maybe critiquing uh, the number four spot with, with that loss to Stanford. Um, given how Stanford's season has shaken out. But I think, you know, just overall, um, just how important it is to schedule these non-conference games in, in a year of Pac-12 football where there's seemingly no there's no guaranteed wins. Like, you never know what you're going to get week in, week out. I mean, you, you could go into any given game, uh, you know, I feel like, Every game except for UCLA, Oregon has been favored, but we didn't. We don't really know what kind of Oregon team is going to show up. I mean, they're just now looking like they're turning a corner. So, um, I think just with how the season has transpired, even though Oregon's gotten some pretty big wins, they haven't always looked convincing doing it. And then some of the other games that they've played throughout the year have, have definitely left something to be desired. Yeah, uh, I definitely understand that, but I, I do believe that. In the last two games, Oregon has played some of their best football of the season, even including the Ohio State game. UCLA, they got off to a poor start, but in that second, in those second and third quarters, they really dominated the football game. They uh, had a stretch where they went on a 34-3 scoring run, and uh, Anthony Brown threw a couple of interceptions there late to make it close. But overall, that was a great team win. And then last week against Colorado, it was just domination from the start. And I understand Colorado is a bad team, but... People are talking about Ohio State dominating teams like Maryland and Indiana, and they're not particularly good either. So for Oregon to dominate an opponent like they did against Colorado, uh, I think the committee really, really saw that Oregon can be an elite team. And they're really trending in the right direction going into this home stretch where Oregon has some really tough games down the stretch here with a couple of rivalry games at Washington this coming week. Uh, Washington State at home in a couple of weeks. Washington State's won four straight conference games. They're no joke. And then, of course, uh, at Utah is is going to be a really tough one. Utah at that point could be ranked themselves. Uh, they have three losses now, but they have uh, uh, Stanford and Arizona coming up after that. They should win both of those games. And then, of course, this uh, Oregon State game uh, last week of the regular season won't be easy. The Beavers are a win from bull eligibility. They'll definitely be a decent team uh, when they play Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, of course, at the end, you have to pack the championship game. If the Ducks are lucky enough to get there, uh, that will be another quality opponent, likely Utah again, that the Ducks would play then. So it's a tough stretch for the Ducks. They're in a great position right now at number four, that if, as long as they handle their business and keep winning, they should uh, be in the playoff at the end. You talk about that tough stretch, Nick, and, and I want to stay there for a second. Uh, I'm really excited to, to head on over to Seattle to, to see what that game is going to look like between Oregon and Washington. Washington winning kind of a bizarre game against Stanford uh, last week. 20th. A jolt of uh, heading into this Oregon game. And even though they haven't looked like a very impressive team over the course of the season, you can never take anything for granted in these rivalry games, right? That's, I think, something that, that college football, that's a lesson that college football, uh, that rings true in college football every year, no matter what. Um, and their defense still looks pretty good. So 
I think with with their defense being a strength, uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how Oregon's offense matches up with their defense. And we've seen at times how dominant Oregon's defense can look, and Washington's offense has, has looked really run heavy. Um, and I don't think Dylan Morris is uh, you know anything too special at quarterback. But that Washington State game. Pac-12 after dark next weekend when the Ducks come back to Eugene. That'll be really big. The Ducks are rocking a pretty nice winning streak at home, uh, defending Otson. And then you look to the next week, like you said, with Utah. They they look really good. I didn't think that they were going to look this good, um, you know, mainly because uh, they had that little shakeup with Charlie Brewer leaving the program uh, early on in the season. So it says a lot about them. Credit to Kyle Whittingham for, for getting that program uh, turned around a little bit when things got off to a rocky start. Um, so that that definitely just you know goes to your point about them maybe even being ranked by the time uh, the Ducks get into Salt Lake and then Oregon State. They beat the Ducks last year, so they definitely have some momentum and and they've got to be uh, feeling as confident as they felt in a while with with the way that their season's going so far. So lots of big games, and then you got to think you know who are they going to meet in the south if the ducks do take care of business and make it to that pac-12 championship game so you know it's i think the rankings are cool because it gives us something to talk about and i think it kind of just puts the season so far into context and it gives us kind of a a taste of of how you know the organ is viewed but you know you see it just with these past couple minutes of what we've talked about, there's still so much ahead of them and so much that can happen uh, for any team in the country. Exactly. Oregon has five games left if they make the Pac-12 championship game. And quite frankly, I could see them losing any of them uh, because all the opponents left are of quality. Uh, At the same time, Oregon will likely be favored in all of them. Utah could be a toss up, but uh, if they play their best football, I don't think there's anyone on the schedule that will beat them. So it's all in their hands. This is exactly where Oregon wants to be at this point in the season, where they control their destiny for the most part. Uh, and, you know, I just want to look back real quick at that Stanford game again. You know, Stanford's now three and five. They have not looked good recently. Uh, that loss is turning out to to not look very good. But the committee does take some things into account in that game, especially the fact that Joe Moorhead offensive coordinator and play caller and quarterbacks coach was not there. He was uh, having emergency surgery in the hospital and there is precedence for, for something like that in the committee Uh, back in 2017, Clemson uh, lost a game to four and eight. Uh, I believe it was Syracuse. Clemson did not have their quarterback for that game. And Clemson at the end of the season uh, still ended up 12-1, and winning their conference, and easily made the playoff. I believe they were a two-seed or something like that. The committee basically discounted the loss uh, with, with the rest of, rest of the resume looking so good. And I think something similar could happen with Oregon here. You know, the, uh, I mean, being Ohio State is the best win anyone has in the nation. And I, I think the committee really respects that. And – Again, Kayvon Thibodeau wasn't even there for that Ohio State game. It could have been an even more dominating victory if the Ducks uh, had Kayvon Thibodeau there. So it's just a matter of the Ducks taking care of their own business at this point. And I know I say it over and over again, and, and they have a lot of work to, to still be done, but 
this is this is exactly what you want to hear if you're an Oregon Duck fan. The Ducks being number four in the nation in these committee rankings. I like when this Colorado game happened. I was talking to to Dylan Rubin King uh, with Dylan Rubin King about the the Colorado game in the in the last episode of the podcast. Go check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. But I think I kind of viewed that Colorado game as a bit of a tuna that the Ducks kind of wanted to get when they played Arizona, right? You know, that game was a lot closer than a lot of people thought it was going to be heading into it. And and they ultimately didn't look that impressive, um, at least on offense. You know, the defense definitely did a lot of the heavy lifting there with with uh, Jordan McLeod. Seemingly every pick, every throw he had was an interception. felt like um, I think that the, the Ducks are, are looking a little bit better after, after that Stanford game. And I asked Mario Cristobal, um, you know, heading into the, uh, the game against Colorado, you know, kind of a similar situation after a win against Ohio State. You go against a team like Stony Brook. I'm not trying to compare Stony Brook and Colorado directly because obviously they're on different levels, but two fairly lowly teams and you're coming off a big win over Ohio State. And then last week coming off that win over UCLA. And he was basically saying, you know, we, we learned our lessons from that Stanford loss. And we we know that if we don't play our best football every week, that, that people are going to – Take advantage of that. I think that they've definitely learned from that loss and they're, they're going to move on uh, and, you know, put their best foot forward. You talk about that Washington game. We can get more into that later if you want. I know we also want to talk a little bit about the rest of the rankings. So just hitting on Oregon first here, but with uh, the Ducks, you know, they had a, a little bit of injuries in, in the secondary last week, uh, particularly at the safety spot. Um, but Washington's a team that likes to run the ball, so I'm not as concerned there. And then Jamal Hill is um, a guy that's really experienced and and he um, can be relied on if Steve Stevens isn't able to go. We're hearing that he has a chance to play um, after getting a little bit banged up against Colorado. So, you know, kind of echoing what you were saying, Nick, but also giving some of my my two cents on kind of how the team has, has transformed this year and then just with – with the Pac-12 being the way it is, I mean, it's just so weird to – you think that with the Pac-12 being so poor, I mean, if, if Oregon didn't play the this non-conference schedule, I don't I don't think they're in this position. Completely agree. Uh, they'd be, you know, kind of in the Wake Forest situation where they didn't play in one of the non-conference, and they uh, – Wake Forest is even undefeated, so – Oregon would probably be even worse than Wake Forest right now. But, um, you know, Wake Forest hasn't played anyone in the conference. ACC is also really down this season. And um, they, they, yeah, they would not be anywhere near the top 10 of the of the playoff rankings right now with that loss to Stanford if, if they didn't play Fresno and, and Ohio State to begin the season. All right. Um, well, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of some of the the broader term stuff with uh, the rankings. It'd be cool to talk about Ohio state a little bit, but from an Oregon perspective, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to, to add here that you think is important in this discussion? Well, I think it, it relates to Oregon. When you look at the rest of the rankings head to head really seemed to matter with the selection committee in this particular rankings. Of course you have Oregon right ahead of Ohio state, but then even when you look down at the rankings further, uh, at 17, Mississippi State right ahead of Kentucky. Mississippi State beat Kentucky. 
and uh, also Wisconsin at 21. They beat Iowa, who's at 22. So, um, oh, and also Fresno State 23 just beat San Diego State at 24. So there's a clear pattern there that the committee really values head-to-head, at least at this point in the season. And that's good for the Ducks, uh, clearly, because when they're going up against Ohio State, uh, there are a lot of people who are saying that Ohio State now looks better than the Ducks. There might be some merit to that, but I would argue that head-to-head results have to matter. And uh, that's, of course, why the Ducks are at, at four right now ahead of the Buckeyes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, if you're if you're watching this episode of the podcast, you can catch it on my YouTube channel, Oregon Football Max Taurus. Uh, Nick has a, a nice little graphic table here. Uh, sheet, whatever you want to call it, that kind of just has the rankings uh, laid out here. But yeah, I'm I'm very uh, that the the committee value those head to heads because it just kind of makes you think for a second. Well, why would you? What's the point of playing those games if if they're not going to hold any merit here? Um, but you know, kind of taking a broad spectrum now, transitioning a little bit, Nick. Um, you know, no surprise with, with Georgia at number one. They've just been absolutely dominant this season. Uh, that that defense looks like it could go down as an all-time uh, unit, you know, an all-time great uh, when everything's said and done. Just so many talented players there. And then Alabama at number two, despite the loss to Texas A&M, um, you know, Bama's Bama. They're, they're going to put – I'd be surprised if they lost another game. Um, but, you know, I think so many times outside of the SEC, at least, it's kind of, I think, 
maybe perceive that you have to be perfect and to get into the playoffs unless you're in the SEC because that speaks to the the quality of of the opponents you're playing on a on a weekly basis because obviously the SEC is at a much higher level than the Pac-12. But Michigan State number three. I mean, Mel Tucker. Credit to him. Uh, I don't think many people expected this kind of a, a turnaround in such a quick quick you know span since he took over that program uh, undefeated. Just got that big win over uh, Michigan last weekend. So you know, credit to them and and you know, it, it could be. I'd be interested to see if, if this is going to be how things ultimately finish out. Um, and I have to take a look at Michigan State's schedule, but those are kind of just some other some other thoughts I wanted to have as we expand it a little bit and, and just open it up. Yeah, something I, I really uh, think is interesting going forward is uh, you got Oklahoma there. They're at 9-0 and right now, only number eight in the nation. They're on a bye this week. But following that bye, they've got three of arguably their three toughest games all season. Um, all in a row before the Big 12 championship game that they could be in as well. They still have to play Oklahoma State, who's right there at 11. They still have to play Baylor, that's right there at 12. Uh, And they also have to play Iowa State, who um, has also had a pretty good year themselves. So Oklahoma has their toughest games uh, still left on their schedule, so they have a real chance to move up in these rankings uh, once they play those teams, if they can win. And also Ohio State as well. They still have to play that big game uh, against Michigan State. I believe that one's in Columbus uh, in, in mid-November. And then they still have to play their rivalry game uh, in Ann Arbor against Michigan uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, both Ohio State and Oklahoma have multiple games left against top 12 opponents. And that's something that Oregon does not have uh, left. So it's definitely something to look at uh, where – there are teams that could still potentially jump the ducks in these rankings, but uh, Georgia still has to play Alabama likely if, if they end up meeting in the sec championship game. So one of those teams uh, will end up losing. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when you go down further on this list, Auburn, Texas A&M play this week. Uh, That's the only top 25 matchup this week, uh, at least according to the playoff rankings. But that'll be a big one for uh, whoever's second place in the SEC. Um, if if Alabama somehow lost another game, they could uh, end up going to the SEC championship game, the winner of that game. So it's something to keep an eye on. And just going down here, uh, one other thing I've, I found interesting that uh, here, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, and Minnesota for that matter, uh, you have some Big Ten teams at the bottom of the list. The committee really seemed to value the Big Ten's strength. And, you know, Minnesota's a team that lost to Bowling Green, but they're uh, still up there in the top 20. So the committee really values the Big Ten clearly, and clearly it doesn't really value the Pac-12. The Mountain West has more teams in the top 25 than Pac-12 does. Pac-12 just as Oregon. Mountain West has both Fresno State and San Diego State there at 23 and 24. So, uh yeah, that, that's kind of what I have. Is there anything that really stands out to you here, Max? Yeah, I think one of the one of the other points uh, that I, I kind of stood out to me was not so much that Cincinnati was left out of the top four, but um, just them at, at number six. Um, I was kind of just wondering, you know, with them at number six, uh, Notre Dame at number ten. Do you think? Them, we can maybe we can talk about this, you know. Do you think that them at number six is more of an indictment of Cincinnati not being viewed as a very strong team or 
Notre Dame not being viewed as strong as some people may thought, if, if that kind of makes sense, seeing that that's Cincinnati's biggest win uh, of the season, uh, I believe. Yeah, well, I think I think it's valued pretty uh, correctly. I mean, that it was a huge win for Cincinnati against a top 10 opponent on the road. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a major victory. But you have to look at the whole body of work in Cincinnati – uh, their next best win after that is maybe Indiana, who's terrible this year. They're two and five. So you, you really, you know, you can't base your entire resume off of one victory. You know, Oregon has, uh, other than Ohio State, they have another ranked win against Fresno State. They have UCLA, who's a good team, and they'll have, of course, more games coming up. So when you base your resume off of one game, I kind of understand why Cincinnati's number six, especially when you look at the teams above them, Ohio State, uh, just beat Penn State. And they had a close loss to the Ducks, who's number four. Oregon, of course, we've talked about them. Michigan State just beat Michigan, who's number seven. Alabama has five wins over teams, 500 or above. And, of course, Georgia, the resume speaks for itself there. They've just been by far the most dominant team in the nation. So while Cincinnati has that huge win against Notre Dame, they don't really have anything else. So I can't really see uh, – like I, I, I can see why they can justify – having Cincinnati six uh, below those five teams that are above them. Yeah, that, that's a good point. It was just kind of something that, that stuck out to me, uh, you know, when I was kind of giving my first glance at, at the rankings here. Um, you know, and then, yeah, Wake Forest at nine. I mean, that's that's another team that I, I mean, they've just been awful in years past, but credit to them. Um, you know, they, it's just bizarre that they're maybe looking like the, the strongest team out of the ACC when, when you think about how strong Clemson is year in, year out. I mean, this year is just, my God, I don't even know what the heck is going on in, in Clemson. And and then uh, you also think about UNC and, and how much promise they showed with, with all the starters that they had returning from last season. And, and then high profile quarterback, Sam Howell running the show that that's just an, another storyline that I think, you're just really seeing how much of an impact that's had in this first batch of rankings. But at the same time, you know, it's just the first round. I mean, everything that we've said this, this episode, you know, there's, there's so much that's left to happen. Uh, so much that could still happen. A lot of big games left to be played. Um, but I think the only other point I wanted to talk about outside of Oregon was, was Oklahoma at number eight. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's been, it's been cool to see how Lincoln Riley has kind of handled uh, some of the adversity that they faced earlier this season with, with uh, Spencer Rattler, not quite looking like uh, he not playing to the level that a lot of people might've expected. You know, his name was right at the forefront of the Heisman conversation uh, before the season started or at the season's beginning. Um, but, you know, just having the, having the wherewithal to be confident enough to, to make that switch and get, give Caleb Williams the reins of the offense and, and now it looks like Oklahoma is is looking a little bit more like we're used to them looking like. Yeah, and like I said before, they've got some huge games left on their schedule. So uh, I, I believe that if they're if they end up undefeated, they'll definitely find their way into the playoff one way or another. Uh, but I definitely understand why they're number eight right now. I mean, they almost lost to Kansas a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it would have been you know a crazy loss, and their best win is maybe Texas, I think. So, uh, you know, they haven't shown very much against quality opponents, but that'll change soon. That's why we, we have so many games left and, you know, everything we just said uh, could be irrelevant 
uh, come next Saturday because anything can happen, especially in this college football season. There's been a crazy amount of upsets, so uh, we'll just have to uh, sit back and, and see what ends up happening. All right, well, to, to wrap it up here on an Oregon angle, Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot, and then I'll answer the question as well. If you're looking at this Oregon schedule the rest of the way, we talked about the games coming up, but just to remind people, Washington on the road, Washington State at home, Utah on the road, and then Oregon State at home to wrap things up. Which one of those games are you maybe the most confident in and then maybe the most concerned about? You know, Which one kind of gives you some cause for, for pause? Well, I can answer the one I'm most concerned about is definitely the one in Salt Lake City against uh, the Utah Utes. Utah just dominated UCLA um, in both sides of the football last week. Of course, UCLA did not have DTR, but, um, you know, it's still, it's still going to be an extremely tough game for the Ducks. They might not even be favored in that one. And, and uh, especially in mid-November down there in Utah, it's going to be cold probably. Ducks aren't quite as used to it being that cold there. And, uh, Utah has, has given the Ducks problems in Salt Lake City in the past. So that's definitely the most concerning game for me. What I'm most confident in, it's pretty tough. Uh, you know, I would honestly say, as crazy as it sounds, is this coming game against Washington. You know, it's a rivalry game. I really feel like the Ducks uh, understand what's at stake here um, against an opponent who, you know, there's been some talk uh, up there in Seattle and uh, I think they're. I think this team's going to be ready to come in and, and really, you know, show them. Especially they they didn't couldn't play them last year because of COVID. Uh, so there's been two years of of you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the best word is, but two years of animosity maybe between the two teams. <laughs> and um, and I, I really feel like the Ducks will be ready to go in Seattle against a team that, you know, quite frankly, their offense is is terrible. So. Uh, if Oregon plays their their football, their brand of football, I don't think uh, they should have m- much problem in Seattle this Saturday. I agree with 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 your thoughts on the on the Utah game. I mean, as as these games go along, you know, there's just going to be more on the line. I feel like with with each each week, um, and I think that their turnaround has just been so strong, and, and they have some pretty pretty good backs. Uh, I mean, I need to look a little bit more into their defense, but. I know that that was one of the big uh, kind of additions to, to watch for them from last year. They brought in some pretty, pretty talented running backs, but yeah, I mean, for, as far as the most, uh, I mean, I could, for the most confident uh, game, I mean, I could see Washington um, being a game, you know, why you would be confident. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like I want to say Oregon state even because I mean, they, I feel like they've kind of cooled off a little bit since they really, you know, looked like they were in the driver, the you know, strong number two team. Even at one point, um, and I think in the power rankings for for SI, the Pac-12 power rankings, I think I might have slated them at number one at one point. But you know, Oregon lost that game last year, so I mean, that's going to leave a sour taste in their mouth. And they do get that game at home, so even though Oregon State's looking stronger than it typically does. And the, the Ducks take care of business at home. And then also for, for that Utah game, I mean, some of their toughest games this season have been on the road. So I think that they're going to be able to take that experience, you know, uh, in the shoe, on the farm, uh, in the Rose Bowl. And I feel like they play up to their opponents, um, 
you know, as far as at least on the road this year, um, they, they certainly have played down to some of their opponents at home. When you look at, you know, uh, you know, at various times against Stony Brook and then Arizona as well, but that's kind of where I stand right now. I mean, that Washington state game looks a little scary, even though it is at home just because of how, you know, how hot they are, even, especially with, with all the, the coaching shakeup that they've had. I think that that's, uh, that says a lot about the players on that team that they're just still chugging away and, and getting those wins. Uh, and then they're going to have some experience playing some good teams after, uh, you know, they, they lost uh, to BYU, but that'll be a, I think that was a good test for them just to, to kind of get that game when they did. So we got a lot to, a lot of other things to, to see as the season keeps going. But um, before we get out of here, Nick, is there anything else that you wanted to say? No, that, that's about it. Just just to piggyback on what you were saying about Washington State and Oregon State, those offenses have have given the Ducks issues in the past uh, with with both how they uh, use the screen game and and run the football. So um, more the reason as to why it's going to be a tough game for the Ducks. All right. Well, we're going to have to to keep an eye on all of that. Uh, we're going to have a preview podcast uh, for that Washington game. The Husky Maven um, publisher, Dan Rayleigh. So make sure to stay tuned for that one. But before we wrap up here, Nick, where can people find more of you? You can find me on Twitter at NickBat22. That's at N-I-C-K-B-A-T-22. And also you can read uh, my articles on DucksDigest.com. Awesome. Go over and uh, make sure to give Nick a follow and, and you can find more of our work on ducksdigest.com. You can follow me on Twitter at mtorresports and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Oregon football, Max Torres, and then just the other uh, platforms we're on as well. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Ducks Digest. Thank you folks so much for tuning into this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Appreciate the support and we will see you in the next one. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.